Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How you feeling today, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. Hey, I want to remind you, An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. So if you get a minute, check it out. While you're tripping around the web, make sure you stop by our group on Facebook. It's called Living with a Disability. Very easy to get there. Just go to www.famousapple.com forward slash group. That's www.famousapple.com forward slash group. Bring you right there. A lot of people over there having conversations, asking questions, answering questions, making new friends. Hey, you got to check it out. That's all I can say. We have got a good one for you today. Our guest today is Dawn M. Barkley. She's the author of Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. This book is for any parent that wants to travel with their child, (laughs) especially those on the autism spectrum, but it's for any child. That's why it's the anxious, the inflexible, and the neurodiverse. Dawn is an award-winning author who has spent a career working in different aspects of the travel industry. She was born into this. She started as an agent with her parents' firms, Barclay Travel Limited and Barclay International Group Short-Term Apartment Rentals. Then she branched out into the travel trade reporting with senior and contributing editor positions at Travel Agent Magazine, Travel Life, Travel Market Report, and most recently, Insider Travel Report. She's a mother of two and resides in New York's scenic Hudson Valley. This book is really good. Now, I have Dave standing by to give us a highlight of the book. So sit back and listen to this for a second. Traveling with children is always challenging. But for parents of children with autism spectrum disorder and or mood and attention and distraction disorders it can be especially intimidating. How should parents of children experiencing meltdowns deal with clueless and judgmental onlookers? What are the best methods to alleviate motion sickness when your child might already be on a cocktail of drugs? Traveling different. Vacation strategies for parents of the anxious the inflexible, and the neurodiverse answers these and many other questions parents may have when traveling with their children. Don M. Barkley presents travel strategies and anecdotes from certified autism travel professionals, parents of special needs children, associations and advocates, and mental health professionals, broken down by mode of transportation and type of venue. The heart of the book outlines suggested itineraries for spectrum families as well as venues such as museums, that cater to the unique special interests that are characteristic of individuals with autism. Less common accommodations such as dude ranches and houseboats are also included, as are vacations involving sports that might not immediately be associated with ASD, such as diving, skiing, and golf. 
The book culminates with a resource guide of travel agents who specialize in special needs travel, as well as where to find other experts and lists of organizations that advocate for special needs families. Noted mental health professionals offer advice throughout the book, and organizations that support the needs of this community are profiled and included in the resources. Travel brings the world together, and now, thanks to a growing focus on the needs of those with special needs, it is more accessible than ever before. This book is an essential part of that effort, a resource designed to make the cultural, educational, and bonding benefits of vacations available to all. And now, Back to Jimmy. Thanks, Dave. Hey, without further ado, let me introduce you to Dawn Barkley. She is a funny lady, a warm person. You're going to enjoy this interview. So sit back, relax, and let's get started here. And as I promised you, I have with us right now, right here, Dawn Barkley, the author of Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, Inflexible, and Neurodiverse, Dawn Barkley. How are you today, Dawn? Great. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. This book sounds phenomenal. Now, this book doesn't come out until August 15th. So get ready to pre-order. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Dawn, tell us about this. What's going on here? Well, you know, it's interesting that there was a survey done by a group called IBCCES a while back, and they interviewed a thousand special needs families. And what they found is that um, 87% of those families won't travel. But of those, 93% would if they knew where to go and what to do. And so the book is mostly strategies that can turn any vacation into uh, something that is, uh, I I don't want to say autism friendly only, but also uh, would make any child with invisible disabilities travel more successfully. And then also includes some locations and suggestions of where you can go. Now, Does this work? All right. You're saying kids with autism and what have you, but most kids are are a little bit difficult to travel with. This is very true. In fact, I believe that all children become anxious and and inflexible when they're taken out of their comfort zone. And there is nothing more disquieting and more out of anyone's comfort zone than travel, which you never know what's really going to happen. You can plan and plan. And that's basically what I encourage everybody to do is plan down to the nth degree because that's going to make it better for you uh, and more predictable and children and adults crave predictability routine we like to make the unfamiliar familiar and this book is sort of like a checklist of what to do before you travel in order to make the unfamiliar more familiar anyone that's ever got on a plane with a child <laughs> you know what that's like I do. I had my, my one of my children vomit on me right before takeoff on in my nice silk blouse. And I had nothing I could do except for put a cardigan over it. The woman next to me asked to have her seat changed. Uh, 
I had to keep my son next to me. Across the aisle was my husband and daughter. Uh, and on takeoff, she started screaming because of uh, the pressure in her ears. And so I had two screaming children. Uh, and my husband, who is ever resourceful and brilliant, took out some crayons and the vomit bags from the seat in front of him and created Barf Bag Theater. And for the next hour or so, the children were very amused by my husband's voice and antics, and his different, uh, his different accents, and uh, I fondly remember that. And I learned humor is how you handle problems. I, it always is better with humor. I always think every problem is handled better with humor. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what what do you think the best way to travel with the child is? Well, I, I would definitely rule out hitchhiking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that it depends on the family and it depends on the child. I could tell you a child that's totally enamored with airplanes, as there are many um, children who love airplanes, is probably going to do better on an aircraft, especially if you preview that experience for them. And I do explain in the book that there are organizations like Wings for Autism, which will take you through the experience of the hectic nature of the airport from arrival through boarding. Uh, and there are people in many airports that are with an organization called TSA Cares that can shadow you and help you if you have children on the spectrum. If you have a child that is enamored of railroads and there are many children who love every aspect of trains, then I'd say take a train trip. But what's in, and cars are always easier because you you have more room to pack what you want. You don't have weight limitations, and uh, you can call the shots and figure out where you're going to stop and stop whenever you want, as opposed to being on an airplane or a train. This is true. Uh, personally, I loved cruising, but I grew up with a mother who absolutely hated to fly. So we did a lot of transatlantic crossings when I was young because my grandparents were in England. Uh, and I grew up sailing, so I, I always find that cruising offers lots of possibilities, and I have an extensive chapter in the book for that. And luckily, the five major cruise lines all have programs that work with children on the spectrum, and there is a company called Autism on the Seas that puts together group vacations for people on the spectrum, whole families. Really? Yes. Now, I've been doing podcasts with people with disabilities. I have never heard of any of this. Well, that, that's why you should buy the book. I'm, I'm, well, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, something I think I'm going to. Um, but I've never heard I've never heard of this. Now, I have a friend of mine that that's very into the, actually she has a, a podcast about autism. And I've never heard of this. The these programs that can take the kids like this before the trip. Well, the, 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 it's not exactly programs. Well, the wings for autism, yes, but a lot of the um, suggestions that I have in the book are the result of I, none of this is really my story. I interviewed over a hundred people for this book, and many of them were certified autism travel professionals. And those uh, people have had extensive training on how to work with not only the anxious and the inflexible, but children on the spectrums, children who have ADHD or, or mood disorders like bipolar, and they can guide you through every aspect of the trip as well. So I indicate where to find those wonderful people, but many of them are special needs parents themselves. So there's lots of organizations that will... Uh, 
give credentials to uh, hotels and resorts and theme parks that are becoming more autism friendly or become certified autism centers. Uh, all of this is explained in the book. Do they make... It's, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do they make themselves known? I mean, I've never... Do they not, oh. not advertise, but I mean... I've never seen any any note of any of this type of stuff. Yeah, there there's um, there there is definitely a, a, a place you can find them. It's listed in the book. If you go to ibccs.com, you should be able to. This might be org. I have to find out. But it's all. Um, this is all in your book where you can find oh, them. Yes, that that's what I'm getting yes, at. Yes how you can find anybody who's interviewed in the book, as well as if you want to use other certified autism travel professionals, I show you where to search for them. The great thing is that thanks to technology today, you don't have to find somebody in your backyard. If somebody seems very knowledgeable to you uh, by reading the book, you can find them and work with them anywhere in the country. That's excellent. Your, your, book, is, your book seems like a wealth of knowledge. I that- tried. <laughs> I've never heard of this, and that's a that's a that's that's phenomenal that you have this information available. Yeah, there's there's so much. Um, you know, I give interviews, and I'm only scratching the surface of some of the suggestions that parents have because of uh, actually problems they've encountered and how they've gotten over them. And you can benefit from those ideas by reading the book. Um, I also talk a lot about sports vacations because individual sports are very good for people on the spectrum, things that don't involve teams. So when you look at golf, when you look at scuba, when you look at adaptive skiing, or even dude ranches and horseback riding, all of those are very therapeutic. And they're things that your whole family can enjoy together, whether or not you're on the spectrum. You can have neurodiverse and neurotypical people in the same family enjoy the vacation. So I do talk about um, where to find those. Also, I talk about how to create a child-centric vacation and part of that is revolving the vacation around a child's specific interests. Now anybody who who studied autism knows that people on the spectrum have some very specific interests and uh, hobbies and they may spend 20 hours a week just discussing and researching and enjoying that information so why not build a vacation around it. So I took special interests, as many as I could think of or that people mentioned to me, and um, say your kid loves dinosaurs. I listed where in the country you can travel to go and explore dinosaur museums. And I have the same thing if they're in love with trains or rocks. I mean, who would have thought to go and take a trip to a quarry? But if your kid loves rocks, then why not? Uh, So... It's a very long chapter at the end of the book that talks about all those museums around the country and events really? that they may enjoy. And, you know, when you're building a trip around a child's special interest, then the more mundane parts of that vacation that the child may not want to do become a little bit more bearable because they have something to look forward to. And they know you dedicated the trip to them. I have someone very near and dear to me, a very good friend of mine who's whose son, his life is centered around dinosaurs. There you go. Oh, my. Take him to Wyoming. There's oh. like seven museums in one area. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my. They, I think they waited online to see Jurassic World. That, yeah. <laughs> it, it, that yeah. just came out. Oh, my. That, that, there's another reason to buy the book. <laughs> and for your friend. <laughs> but that's who I'm talking about, a gift. <laughs> there's, a, there's a gift. 
<laughs> because between trains and dinosaurs, I think I think this kit has every Thomas the Train that was ever made built. Oh, I have a profile of a child in England who has taken his love for trains and has expanded it to the fact that he's traveled all over England. He might have gone all over Scotland too to look at the different uh, train um, stations and the diff. He can identify all the different models of the trains, and uh, he wants to work for the government, working with trains and the people in the stations know him, and he has a blog. I mean, this is an amazing kid. I think he's like twelve. Wow. 14. So, yeah, really interesting child. Uh, so I do a profile on him. But there are organizations that um, there's a Facebook group that's dedicated to getting parents together who have kids on the spectrum who all love trains. Wow. Unbelievable. Now, let me ask you, how long did it take you to put this book together? You know, it's interesting. I needed this book back in the early 2000s and I started and it didn't exist. So I started to research it because I've been a travel writer for a very long time. And um, I interviewed some major players. I spoke to Dr. Tony Atwood, who's really well known in autism circles. I spoke to Dr. Ellen Littman, who's really well known in ADHD. And then I kind of hit a wall because I didn't know where to get additional people. It's not like the doctors I was talking to would say, oh, why don't you talk to all the patients? <laughs> you know? So I didn't know where to go. And it wasn't until this group I discussed earlier, IBCCES, created the autism, you know, the certified autism travel professional designation that I knew that where to go because I realized I could interview all those great people. And they mentioned this book to their clients and some of their clients wanted to speak to me and then there was so much more information out in 2019 than there was in 2000 the early 2000s sure. that i was able to get the book written so actually it's a it was a 20-year endeavor and in the meantime i wrote like seven fiction novels but i um finally was able to thanks to two years where i couldn't leave my home oh, <laughs> thanks to a pandemic <laughs> i had the time to write this book finally <laughs> well you were you were a travel agent at one time also a uh, long time I, my, my parents owned barclay travel limited and barclay international group short-term apartment rentals and i worked for both of those companies um, i had 10-year stints at both um, and in between, I wrote for tr several travel trade magazines, uh, travel agent magazine. Tra I'm still writing for Insider Travel Report. Um, yeah, and I've worked in different aspects of the travel industries. So uh, you can gather I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really old. <laughs> no, you're not. So <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but you you're not just <laughs> you're not just somebody that just walked into this and said I'm going to write a book about traveling. You've been yeah. in the you've been in the travel business for years. Yes, since the early mid 70s. And you've you've the late 70s. you've seen the comings and goings and you you've seen the problems and you you you've taken you've you've taken it with both hands and you you've worked with it. And I think yeah, this is I great. Was shocked this didn't exi I was shocked this book didn't exist. I, I think, was really surprised. Now, I have, a, I have another question for you. Your, your title is for parents of the anxious. All right, we understand that. The inflexible and the neurodiverse. Uh -huh. What's the difference between the inflexible and the neurodiverse? Um, 
you can be inflexible without being on the spectrum or necessarily having ADHD or bipolar. You can just be scared. I mean, I, I felt that um, for parents who don't necessarily have children that have been diagnosed, it, it might open them up to be able to buy this book. You know, they might be willing to buy the book without right. having to say, oh, my child's on the spectrum, because there are some people who just don't want to admit it. There are some people who assure their children are not. Right. Okay. And you can just you can just be anxious and inflexible without you know going further. Right. Okay. I got. No, I, I got wanted it. to get across the point that all families can benefit from this book. I'm sure they can. Matter of fact, I know they can because for yeah. me, up until the time I was forty, <laughs> I I didn't want to get on a plane. There you go. I did not want to get on a plane, and finally, when my daughter, my we adopted a little girl and when I was 40, and then I had to play dad, and we had to take it to Disney World, and, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And you can't walk to Disney World, and <laughs> <laughs> so I had to fly there, and I had to get on a plane. Yeah, and how was that? Well, you know, I had to, I had to stop at the, the, the bar on the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was pretty good. It was actually pretty good. And now I want to now I want to fly everywhere. But you know, it's 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 so funny that I've traveled since I was two. Okay, my my parents had me on planes from two, and I'm a terrible. I, I wouldn't say I'm a terrible flyer. I'm terrified to fly. I I, um, I was. I, and I completely understand it. And people say, "Why are you scared to fly?" <laughs> I'm not scared about the flying. I'm scared about the crashing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And and this, I mean, I really only had one or two issues with flying, and I've flown all around the world. I had one bomb scare where we had a we had a touchdown. I think I was coming back from Dallas, and we had a touchdown somewhere in the middle between there and New York. And I had one really bad. Um, set of turbulence that went on for hours when I was flying back from Sydney to LA and the, the pilot came out or maybe it was the assistant pilot and he took one look at me and said are you okay and I said I'd like I'd like a glass of brandy I've never drank brandy in my life I don't know what I was talking about and so he had them get me I mean it was nobody was supposed to be walking uh, you know they put when when the flight attendants sit down and they put everything away you know you're in for a long time <laughs> but for the most part my flights have been good and I, I probably have no reason to have the fear I I I do, but it was installed, instilled young when my mother, we were flying back from France and that we lost the radar and my mother had a fit. And, and I suppose that that really stayed with me and I became, became frightened. Oh, I don't, my, my very first flight, the, the very first time was when I was 12 years old. My godfather was a pilot and he had a pipe, he had a Piper Cub four passenger Piper Cub. And it was myself, my godfather, my father, and my brother uh-huh. in this little Piper Cub. <laughs> and yeah. we left from, I want to say it was Westchester Airport. I'm not sure. All I know it was, I th- I, I'm probably probably wrong, but I think it was a dirt, <laughs> a dirt runway that we were on. And, uh, when we got in the plane, I said, I said to him, I said, Uncle John, where, where are the parachutes? <laughs> he said, there were on none, but there's life preservers. 
<laughs> I said, where, where are we flying to? And it was my 12th birthday, mind you. Yeah, well, and I hope it was memorable. Memorable. To this day, I still, I still get shakes when I think about it. And we flew, I remember flying up and I'm looking for, and I thought he was kidding about no life, no, no parachutes, but there was life jackets and vomit bags. And yeah. we flew. Well, pa- that's like real planes. They, they're on passenger planes. There are no parachutes. I, I, I know that now, but it's <laughs> <laughs> 12 years old. I was looking for a parachute. And then he was, you know, flying and turning and. You know, you don't feel the turns that big, bad, that bad when you're on a big plane, but when you're on a little four-passenger plane with one propeller, yeah. <laughs> you feel them. Yeah. I, still to this day, when I pass, like, Dutchess County Airport or something, and I see those little planes, I, I shake. <laughs> yeah. It's scary. I, I was on a, a, like, I think a five-passenger glider uh, a, plane. A, a when glider? I well, it was. They told me it could glide. I think it was a plane, but they told me it would glide if we stopped. Um, I was in Tahiti, and we were going between islands. And they, I was on a press trip, and they had me sit up with the captain because they felt that it would calm me. And actually, it did because then I could see when there was turbulence, there was nothing causing it. You know, it was just the the air currents, and it was. So there, I have this great picture on my website of me getting out of this little plane as if that was something I did every day. <laughs> I'm not so adventurous. <laughs> the only thing is is when you're on a when you're on a plane that seats five, the captain's also the mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was quite an interesting thing. I, I mean I was on another trip where they told me it was going to be a big plane. Um we were <laughs> we were in Patagonia and we got on this little yacht that was not a yacht but it was like a yacht that was supposed to go um around uh well to patagonia where we were in uh where were we anyway i think we were at puerto arenas and we were getting on this boat that was supposed to take us on on this patagonian cruise and the we got all unpacked and then we were told that we had to get off because the engine had died so we had to spend the next five days trying to get out and they were going to take us to Ushuaia, which is the southernmost spot, and it's at the bottom of, um, I believe, Argentina. And um, I said, well, is it going to be a big plane? <laughs> they said, oh, yes, it's going to be a huge plane. Like, no problem. And I got there, and it was a tiny, like, 20-person flight. <laughs> and as we get on, they start saying, oh, and, and it's going to be turbulent. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I was with a girlfriend, and I swear to God, I think she still has the gouges in her arm. <laughs> but I sunk my nails in every time. It wasn't really even that bad of life, but I was so scared for an hour just to get out of there. Uh, so I think the the moral of the story is don't lie to Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> and this has nothing to do with anything with my book. I know. I was just going to. I was just thinking. <laughs> But, Your listeners have been very patient. Yeah, they're very good. They're very good. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. getting back to the book, yeah. what what are some of the, what are some of the things that people can do to get their kids ready for a trip? Such a good question. So I'm figuring that even people who have kids that are four and five now that might have traveled before the pandemic, they have children who don't remember any of that now. So um, what you can do to sort of make the 
unfamiliar familiar. You can get picture books that have your children's favorite characters and travel situations. And I list some in the book, but your local librarian can certainly suggest a lot more. Uh, any aspect of the trip is probably in a video that you can get off YouTube or you can request from the travel supplier. So that's always a good idea to, to see a video of any portion of your trip or at least photos. So when you get to a hotel, your child can recognize the outside of the hotel and this is uh, where we check in and this is what the room looks like. Anything to put their mind at ease because you and I might think, oh, travel's really exciting and the un the unknown will be exciting to experience, but children do not think this way. They want to know what's going to happen. Sure. So role-playing is another great idea. Uh, you can pretend to be on an aircraft and play the different roles of uh, who's going to be on that aircraft. And you can also have what I consider mini experiences. So before you take a long flight, maybe take a short one. Or before you go to, um, to a hotel and spend thousands of dollars on a hotel stay, maybe spend a night at a friend's house or a relative's house so your child can experience what it's like to sleep outside of his or her own bedroom. Because right away you're going to see where the triggers lie. And you're going to see whether that child needs you to bring the sheets and the blankets that they're familiar with, with from home and don't wash them because they'll like the familiar scent of home, whether they need you to bring their, um, their toiletries that they're used to at home because autism is a sensory issue and they're used to certain smells and textures. So you're going to want to, you know, capitalize on that. You'll know whether they need um, a fan that you can bring out to to drown out any noise from the hallway. You know, all these things are things that are really good to know ahead of time. Okay. What about food? Because when you go away, usually food may be different. Like it if, absolutely, absolutely true. You know, you go to yeah. Hawaii, or even if you just go to a different state, the menu isn't the same as what it is at home. So is it wise That's to true. pack? pack food to bring with you? It's very smart if your child is a finicky eater to bring some non-perishable food that you know your child will eat. Um, I also, I include a lot about restaurant dining and uh, how to sort of deal with that. But what you can also do, thank you technology, is you can find restaurants wherever you're going and there are chain restaurants that you probably are familiar with and you may want to dine there at least um, some of the time so that you know you can check the menus on any restaurant you're going to you're going to excuse me you're going to go to and you can make sure that where you're going will have what your child loves i mean they might like macaroni and cheese or probably pretty standard food right. that you can find in most places but i would absolutely bring food that you know your child will eat also on the plane and also if you're going on a train or in a car you should have snacks that you know your child will like um, and also you can decide like if you're on a car trip you can find locations along the way and um, make sure you can also look to make sure that you're staying near um, supermarkets that might sell what you need and that's why it's always a good idea to find a hotel with a kitchenette or an extended stay hotel or stay in a vacation rental where you have use of a kitchen because you're not going to want to eat out three meals a day. That's kind of hard now, though, trying to... I, I don't know about anybody else. Me, personally, right now, trying to get into a place for the kitchenette with the pandemic, and 
I'm still Airbnbs. You think that that's it's not a difficult thing to to book an Airbnb. I'm still a little bit gun shy, to be honest with you. Well, if you stay in standard hotels, they're going to have pretty strict cleaning protocols, and you can check on that ahead of time. Oh, and you can still get there are plenty of um, hotels like residence inns that are um, that are going to have a kitchenette. And you can find where the local supermarket is and buy the foods mm-hmm. that your kids will eat. Here's a, here's another question, and I don't know if if this is I, if this is covered in your book. Forgive me. What about taking kids RVing in an RV? Yeah, I do talk about different forms of camping, and an RV is definitely one of them. And um, I believe there was one certified autism travel professional that said what the great thing is about an RV is that if it does start feeling a little claustrophobic to your child, you're in charge. So you can always break it up with a hotel stay on the way. Right. I was going to so ask I you about that. That was a really good idea because what's to stop you from just you know parking your RV and staying in a hotel if staying in the uh, RV becomes a little too crowded for you? Well, the, I, me personally, I, I, I think an RV is is a great way because you can always stop whenever you're ready, or yeah. and just you know find a place, park, you know, a, a campground park, and open the doors, and you're you're there. I think you're always there. Where if you're in a plane, you can't just stop and say hey, we're, we're going to stop here for a while. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I do talk about camping and how to vet a campground as well. And it's a nice, inexpensive way to start traveling. Um, I'm not saying that renting an RV is an inexpensive thing, but it's, um, you know, no, it, it levels is of what you can rent. And, and you can also sample camping by putting out a tent in your backyard for a night. So you can at least experience that slightly. Exactly. You, you travel. Exactly. Yeah. That was going to be my next suggestion. Yeah. The, I'm I'm gonna pre-order this book. I'm definitely. Uh, I I, I <laughs> when we get done here. I'm definitely pre-order. Actually, two copies. I'm gonna get one for them and one for myself. That's great. I this, appreciate that. I I really am. This, this seems like it's. I'm I'm still amazed at those organizations that we were talking about earlier that offer the like for the travel the the pre-travel trip the pre-travel information. Yeah. That, yeah, it's it's really wonderful how many different organizations have, have grown to not only help you along the way, but also are out there certifying different uh, locations as either certified autism centers or uh, they're certifying places as autism friendly. There's a group called uh, the Champion Autism Network. There is another called Culture City. There's another called Sensory, uh, Sensory City. So I was all of them and the one thing i say when you see a location in my book that's either listed as cac which is certified autism center or af or autism friendly you really should do your due diligence call the location and i include all the info all the contact information for any place i mention and ask them what they offer because all children are different and a lot of different suppliers have different ideas of what constitutes autism friendly. So you have to make sure that what they're offering is right for your child and is also being offered when you're going to be there. Because there are some museums that say we have a sensory afternoon for kids, but it might not be the Saturday that you're there. Right, right. Because they offer it once a month or something. So I'm real clear that you should do your due diligence. Your book discusses you know vacations and trips 
Now, what about day trips? Are there, are there any yeah. suggestions for day trips? Like, does uh, is it, or is it just long distance trips in the no, books? No, no. As a matter of fact, I do talk a little about starting small in your own backyard. So, a trip to a zoo, an aquarium, um, even a flea market, you can label as a, a scavenger hunt. Uh, going to local restaurants that might serve cuisines that are different than your own. So ethnic bakeries or ethnic restaurants and how to deal with those. And that's a great little way to start in introducing a child to travel without really going very far. Ah, that's excellent. That's it. You know, and it, it wasn't too, too long ago that people almost, and I, I don't like to say it like this, but to be perfectly bl blunt, people would look down on kids with autism. They they didn't understand it, and they they'd more or less say that the kid was misbehaved. That's what a lot of parents. That's what stops a lot of parents from traveling is they're scared of what other people are going to think of exactly and their and their child. And actually, um, there is a section in the book that discusses all the parents that I spoke to and the the, the travel planners and how they deal with that. And the number one thing that came out is they, they know that no matter, in the end, who cares what other people think? You're this is true. your child. And if your child is having a sensory meltdown, you know how to handle that. And you shouldn't be thinking about what anybody else is thinking because that's their problem. I mean, you have to go and, and get the child quiet into a quiet area and, and do whatever calming mechanisms you're used to. Um, and just focus on the child, and that's what the majority of the parents said. But it's interesting how they described what they do. Um, and so parents who feel that way shouldn't think that they're alone, but know that other parents have gotten over that, and there are, are ways to open up the world. And also to realize that by taking your child out in the world, not only are you making your child a global citizen, but you're teaching the world about what an autistic, uh, a child with autism looks like. This is true. That, you know, it, it, that's the only way people are going to learn is if they're introduced to people. Everybody has the right to travel, and, and the world is waiting for them. Well, you know, I say this on the podcast all the time, because not just kids with autism, people look at us like, here come the freaks. Uh, the, there's no other way to say that. But it's worse when it's kids. Uh, you know, that, that kills me. And there's nothing to say that you don't belong there. That's right. There isn't. Everybody has the right, you know, to explore the world. Exactly. Exactly. But it, I think it's getting better. I do believe it's getting better because people are realizing now. People are learning. And there's no reason that a parent should feel funny. And if the parent does, and this is the part that irritates me too, if the parent does feel funny, I think it's the parent's fault. The parents should stand up for their own kid and say, you know, the kid has the kid has a problem. It's a medical problem. Would you would you be annoyed if I brought my son or daughter here and they had cancer? This is a medical problem. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people want to avoid confrontation, though, and they don't really. I think it's it's might be just easier to um, blank out what's going on around them and just focus on the child. Right. Just uh, some people bring along little cards that says. This is a this is a sensory meltdown. Please understand and, and have empathy for what's going on. Um, and some people don't. Some people, the different parents handle it in different ways. What I really liked was the parents that had gotten their children so comfortable with who they were 
that this one little girl would go up to people that were staring at her and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I have autism, and when I get excited, I flap my hands. See, isn't this cool? And, and smile and be so comfortable with themselves that they could do that. Yeah, it's just, it's just said that they have to do that. As a person with disabilities myself, it's just I find that a little bit insulting that you have to do that. Well, you don't have to. Well, this parent had actually no, 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 to, no. I'm not accepted themselves the way they were. No, I'm not saying anything bad about the parents. I'm just saying about society in itself that yeah, I that the little girl has to go and say, well, I, you know, I have this. It's nobody's business what I have. It's just this. This is what happens. I don't know. It's it's like saying you know somebody that's overweight. Excuse excuse me for being fat because I eat a lot. You know, it's funny you should say that because I wrote a novel that was all about that whole idea. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with, with with what it feels like to be heavy and then thin. Right. People treat you differently. People expect you to apologize for your weight. And so that's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Mine, mine too. Mine too. Yeah. Trust me. I've been there. Been there and done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that this book is really, really good. It should give stress relief to the rest of the family also because you're actually helping your child ease into the trip. And I think the little day trips, like you said, in your backyard can work up to the bigger trips. That's the idea. It's like baby steps, baby steps into the bigger trips. Like I could see if you have a, if you have a child that's, that is anxious or on the spectrum, taking them to a flea market where there's a lot of people could be a good way it, it may not be the best way to do it because some of the kids with autism have sound problems you know with that with the loud sounds around them yes you know but it, it could be a good way of easing them into it you know maybe they, they may not be able to stay long but it'll be a good way of introducing them to the loud sounds because you get to well, the airport you know how it could be at the airport sometimes you never leave home without your noise canceling headphones exactly and, and also, if you're going to a theme park, bring your dark glasses, because even if you're going at night, those bright those lights, bright can, lights be, can, uh, annoying. Uh, can, yeah. can be a big trigger. But I, this, book, this book is a wealth of information. I mean, uh, it, it seems to cover every point. And what, what isn't, what, whatever isn't covered, I'm covering in the blog that backs it up at travelingdifferent.com. So it was interesting that someone asked me, uh, an interviewer asked me, so how do you deal with the letdown after the trip is over? And I said, <laughs> that should have been my last chapter of my book. And I felt so stupid. <laughs> well, too late to add it. So it's in the blog. Well, I, I actually published it last week. I interviewed all the same people and some additional people. And I have a great story about how you get over that, uh, that vacation letdown. Are you going to follow up with another book after this? That's going to be up to the publisher, but I certainly would. I, I've actually pitched a series to them, and I'm waiting to hear. But whatever isn't in a book, what I'm asking people to do is if they read the book and they've had a different experience than what I describe, or they've come up with different strategies, to write to me and tell me because they may be, I may include them in the blog, I may include them in a future edition of the book if I get that opportunity. But I feel that this is a crowdsourcing opportunity because everybody can learn from everybody else and I will be regularly updating the book on the blog. Very good. Well, you heard that. If you've had your own experience 
you have to write to Dawn Barkley. Now, her contact information is in the show notes for this episode, along with you have other websites that we're including in the show notes as well. Great. Yes. So I write fiction. He's going to include my fiction website, too. I, I didn't want to discuss it that much. We... <laughs> You're going to have to see her fiction website. (laughs) Can I read that one line? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, (laughs) good, because I was going to put it in the show notes anyway. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything else about this, but this is the line from from her fiction website. She's an author of suspense, satire, and sweet romance. Writing designed to inspire ahs, ahs, ha ha ha's, and ahas. That's all I'm going to say, except one more thing. Think of bondage bingo. (laughs) You're really in love with that one. I love that one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm blushing. So am I. <laughs> Dawn, this has been great. This is Thank you very this much. is definitely and like I said, I am ordering this book, The Travel Traveling Different Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, Inflexible, and Neurodiverse. And it comes right. out August fifteenth. And yes. I I urge you all to check into this book. Order this book. If you have anyone, and not just kids on the spectrum, if you have any children that are a little bit hesitant about traveling or they're nervous about traveling, this is a good book to take and check out. This is like a guide, a travel guide for, for children and for parents because it's a, it's a wealth of information. It truly is. And Dawn, she knows her way around the travel industry. She's been in it since, she's, since, since birth. True. <laughs> she was born. She was born into an airplane. Yeah, <laughs> practically. Yes. I just wanted to add that if if you um, if you can buy it, great. It's being. It's, it'll be at an audio book as well as hardcover and ebook. But if you could also go to your local library and request that they order it, then it would be available to people who might not be able to afford it. So that would be wonderful. You heard him. You heard him. Go to your library and request the book. Do it. Do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Dawn, thank you so much for being here. I really, really do appreciate it. And we're going to follow. We're going to follow this book. I hope so. We're definitely going to follow this book. And we're going to follow you because I really want to see a sequel to this. Me too. I, I he's going to bring me. He's going to bring me back on to talk about the fiction too. Well, don't worry. That's next. That's next week's episode. <laughs> that's that's next week's episode. We're going to talk about. <laughs> we're going to talk oh, about the bingo game in the real estate business. <laughs> yeah, you read it, and then you tell me if you really want to talk about that on the air. Do I <laughs> read it? I'm ordering it as we speak. <laughs> Embarrassing. You're crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> anyone, anyone want to buy a house? Talk to Dawn. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I wrote that under a different name specifically because I didn't want my real estate clients thinking that I did those sort of things in their empty houses. Um, and this is why I'm not, I'm not giving your pen name out. Thank you. <laughs> but 
thank you again for being here today and i wish you the best of luck with with this book traveling different vacation strategies for parents of the anxious inflexible and neurodiverse and i hope to have you back on again and we'll we'll talk again soon it's been a pleasure thank you so much thank you Hey, was I right about Donna Watt? She is a hardworking, knowledgeable person who cares about our community. She's not looking to come in and bang us for a buck. She's very supportive of people with disabilities. And you could tell, she's telling us, go tell the library to get the book in so that people can't afford it, can read the book for free. She's the type of person that we have to support. So if you can't afford to buy the book, buy it. And... I just can't say enough about it. She's a very nice person, and I want to thank her for being here. Hey, listen, here at An Apple A Day, we're we're changing things around. We have got guests lined up for the rest of the summer, and we're still taking more in. And they're guests that that are going to be of interest to you. We have authors. We have musicians. We have doctors, we have nurses, we have everyday people. People from our group who want to tell their story, share their stories and how they get along and how they live every day and get around obstacles. They're coming on. We have a fully packed summer and you're not going to want to miss an episode, trust me. So make sure you check back often and listen to an apple a day. And I want to remind you of something before I go. Things can always be worse. That's right. No matter what, things can always be worse. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse. And try this out. If you can, lend a hand to somebody who's having a hard time. Don't turn your back on anybody. Hey, thanks for being here today. You've been listening to An Apple A Day. And... I'm going to be back real soon. Before you know it, you'll be listening to me again. My name is Jimmy Apple, and I'll talk to you soon, my friends. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.